now in a hurry because we want to finish. Back to John 14, he says, again, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So, that is the place at which we went back to the throne room and I went through the entire vision until I placed him at the throne, until I came to where he was at the throne and he is being worshipped in the like order as the Father. As the Father. That is why I went to that vision, this one here. When he says, trust in God, trust in him also. Then he is the Lord. Right? And so he says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to where I am going. So when he says in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that's by the Lord's own word, the Lord's own word, verse 15, that he talks about the rapture. Jesus himself talked about coming back to take the church. That is what he meant. But by the Lord's own word, we can see also Genesis 5.24 when Enoch is taken, right? Hallelujah. That is also the Lord's own word. But here the Lord himself talked about it. And that's why in First Thessalonians chapter 4, as we finish, so you can, you can go catch up with your, I don't want to talk this in the, with your meal. Hallelujah. So we are off now, right? Thank you so much. Very good. First Thessalonians chapter 4, I'm continuing now. Again, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. The hope of salvation. That is First Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 to verse 3. The bedrock of our gospel. That Christ died and rose again. That's what we preach. That's what you are going to preach, right? That Christ died, Jesus died, and rose again. And that Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, he ascended. And that Jesus Christ is coming back. And he told the church to do some work here. Right? That is the gospel. That's the gospel of the cross and the blood, right? So, that's what he's saying here. So, in verse 15 is what we have just covered. And according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. And you are not forgetting the fact that you are meeting we, we, we throughout, right? Meaning, you now need to go to your countries and prepare the church in a hurry. In a hurry. If 2,000 years ago they were waiting, how much more is it late? And remember, when the rapture takes place, oh, it will be irreversible. And the events of the tribulation, great tribulation, unbearable. So you want to prepare your countrymen for the coming of the Messiah. You want to prepare your communities for the coming of the Messiah. Hallelujah. It's beneficial to prepare them. Because this is the time. If it happens too late then, they go through the tribulation and it's unbelievable there, right? Okay, let's move on. Then he says, Father, verse 14, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So he's saying something very strange there. Tomorrow we'll have time to dig each of these. If you allow me again, it depends on you people. Once you don't show that you're uncomfortable, I will open up. So what he's saying here is that there's an entire generation that will not taste death. This is very serious. 
that there is an entire group of people that on that day will not need to be resurrected. Because they will not taste provah. They will not taste death. They will simply be translated and taken up. But he says, however, there is a group that will be resurrected. And now we have seen that the question was well answered. That it is beneficial to be holy as a Christian. That if you die before the rapture, you still go into the presence of the Lord. That is the sound doctrine. Your soul goes up there. The body is not redeemed. That I've laid out in the prophetic timeline, right? The body is only redeemed at glorification, which is another message if I get time. I'm going to see if tomorrow I can go back to death and handle this massive. This is, tomorrow, this is very new. Hallelujah. And that's why you see, he lays it out so clearly here. And he says, there's an entire generation of people that will not see death. And he says, there is a group that will be resurrected, given glorious bodies and so forth. But there's an entire generation. Verse 7, he says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we'll, we will be with the Lord forever. So again, that is an entire conversation. Because he's saying that there is a group of people he's saying that we, we will live with Jesus forever. And he's saying for that alone you should be holy. And yet, he doesn't leave it without a caveat at the end, right? In other words, who are those I saw going up to go be with Jesus forever? I want to finish with this. Who are they that I saw going up to be with Jesus forever? Verse 17. He's saying here that you will be with Jesus forever, meaning no separation again. Follow me on this as I finish. But he's also saying That it was already God's desire that he should spend eternity with you. And he's saying that these people I saw being taken up in glory, into glory. Going to spend eternity with Jesus forever. live with him. Never to separate from him. That on the earth here already they are living with him. And faithfully. That is the measure. That now is the measure of the people I saw. On earth here, they are already living with him in their hearts and faithfully. And he's saying as we finish, that in God's original plan, you see, he even did blow his own life into man. Genesis 2.7 his own life into man. And later he brought his Holy Spirit to live in man. If we get time to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you say, the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. He's already living in them. And he's saying that if he's already living with them, as we are finishing now, then they are living with him then if he's being persecuted then they are also being persecuted with him.
hier. If he's being abused by this modern world, mundo moderna, they are also being abused with him now here. This is serious. That is now the catch. If the world is rejecting Jesus, and the holiness of Jesus. Then they too are being rejected with him. They are already living with him here. Ever since they received him. If this world has forsaken Jesus. And the holiness of Jesus. Then they too. They are right now being forsaken with Jesus. Are we together? This is serious. Be saying. They died with him. They were crucified with him. Resurrected with him. And the Lord has made it clear here. That before the earth is inundated by wrath and judgment which I know and have seen some of which I have begun to execute. So you can see the Haiti earthquake, the Chile earthquake, the collision of neutron stars, the coronavirus, the Zika virus in, uh, in Brazil, the Ebola virus, you know, the Ukraine war, and all these things. If you see that these things are terrible now, how much more terrible will they be? And the Lord is promising to rescue the church before he strikes the earth. And he must judge the earth. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus. Right? Because owing to the resurrection of Jesus, he says, now everybody must resurrect. Every human being. The glorious resurrection of Christ. And then, that glorious resurrection of Christ, if we had time, would read Daniel chapter 12, will divide people into two. Those who are Christians, they resurrect to be blessed, rewarded, recompensed. And those who are not Christians to be judged. Why? Because of the glorious resurrection of Christ. I finished now with Revelation 14, 13 that I was supposed to read. Hallelujah. Ah, I wanted to cover that big thing, but I... It's good. Tomorrow I'll do it. No problem. I'm here to serve you. Thank you. The Lord bless you. Revelation chapter 14 verse 13. It says the following. Revelation 14 13. It says the following. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write. Remember, he has been told to write a few times, right? In Revelation chapter 1. And then if you go to 21 also, I think verse 5 he says write. Meaning, these are serious things he wants to... This is now established. This is established, right? And everything is established, but this is now emphasis, right? He says, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. So that is very serious. So now he's saying that because of the glorious... Thank you so much, Justin, for looking at me, Justin Langat. So because of the glorious resurrection of Christ, he's saying... Now there is a safe passage. Are we together? Now there is a safe passage guaranteed those who are born again. Hallelujah. And that safe passage 
if we had time, if I was not, I mean, if we had time, the book of Psalm 23, verse 4, and then I finish. I'm not doing any more than this. Psalm 24. Aye. That's why discipleship, sometimes you don't want to do it, because if you do it, you're going to have to do it total, right? Yes, but it will be alright. Tomorrow it will pick up. I will go back and I will make sure it is well covered. Because it's for you, really. Right? Psalm 24, verse 3 says the following, the right of passage, the safety. He says, Psalm 23, rather, verse 4. Psalm 23, verse 4, disculpe, Psalm 23, capitulo, uh, capitulo 23, versículo 4, por favor. He says the following, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your versions may say the valley of the darkest shadow or the darkest valley, whichever way they put it, the message is clear. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's saying, that is the safety guaranteed you by the glorious resurrection of Christ. If we get time, I will cover the death that you see in, uh, is being combined with hope in uh, verses 13 and 14 tomorrow, if you allow me. Otherwise, we can move on. To other, we, we have a lot to cover. I need also to cover the church age during this time. But uh, you would see very clearly that you must now go and tell your people it's a win-win to be born again. So what is the instruction here? What is the instruction you are going with today? You are going with the message that the Lord is saying that owing to the glorious resurrection of Christ. Number one. Everybody is assigned to die once. Okay. To live once on the earth and have an appointment with death. We didn't read that. That is Hebrews 9.27. That's where I was supposed to be going if I was not interrupted. The, the entire hope he's talking about there, he's saying, is premised on the glorious resurrection of Christ. And that that resurrection also informs the fact that since we are all, everybody on the earth must die with only two exceptions that I know. But the one I know will die. I've seen my death. I've seen my death in Jerusalem and the life came out of the body. So there is no need to fear death. So I stared at the bodies. The Lord already did it. So if everybody has a chance to live on this earth and die and once, then use it to prepare. That's now the message. Use it to prepare. Number two. He's saying that as a Christian, when you die, it's a win. You are going before Christ. As a non-Christian or in a posted church, when you die, you go to fire. So there is nothing like a middle ground or purgatory or whatever. The Lord is saying, that for us Christians, when we are born again, when we are alive, we live for Christ, we live with Christ. When we die, we live for him still there. It's beneficial. Tell your countries to be born again. To receive Christ and be holy. Because it's beneficial. Because he says... Then the dread of death has been neutralized. The sting of death, we will see it tomorrow if we get there, First Corinthians 15. The sting of death has been neutralized. 
as a Christian who is holy. And the Lord is saying, apostasy is deadly. Being born again and accommodating sin is deadly. So the Lord is saying, There are many examples that walked close to Jesus that did not enter. Judas Iscariot was very close, did not enter. He loved the things of the world, and yet he was very close to Jesus. So apostasy is equated to that betrayal of faith. Right? Messiah is coming. I've shared with you the exit of the church. Tomorrow if I get time, I want to go deep in death or maybe handle another thing because I also want to handle apostasy. That's a big one. The posters in the present day church. If you will allow me and don't start. <laughs> Hallelujah. Allow me to do it tomorrow. I want to hand a posters. That's very serious. That is now where we are working. That's the mission field. Hallelujah. Please. Allow me. I want to handle a you also. This global apostasy you see in the church and the correction that will take us straight to repentance revival. Hallelujah. So now I'm reading one more scripture and then we go home. I'm reading Revelation chapter 3 from verse 7, the church that I saw climbing up and we leave now. Ay, people are like, you are reading again. But let me read it, right? Hallelujah. Is it okay to read it? Okay, thank you. Who is the ringleader so I can be looking at? <laughs> I tell you, I think the U.S. Oh, is it Charles Ephraim? Okay, I'm reading Revelation chapter 3. The church I saw climbing up. I think it would be wrong for me not to read it because I've shared the vision. He says to the church in Philadelphia, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Now again, right there, you see he's saying the pastor is like an angel. So he's an herald. Thank you for not touching your chin, uh, uh, my son Benham, because it's not about Kenya. It's for these people, please. I just invited you to help me host. Please don't interfere. Kenya, don't interfere. Just allow me to work with these people, okay? Please, please, don't, don't do things, Kenya. So, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, now, the angel is a herald, meaning you are having a message from the Lord. It's not your message. You must transmit it 100%, right? Are we together? It says, these are the words of him who is holy and true. When the Lord is now talking to the church that I see enter, I saw enter the glorious church, the chosen church, the righteous church, the mature church without spot, without wrinkle, that I saw rapture, the rapture church, He's talking to them. He has, no, he has no condemnation. He has only praises, right? And he says to them in his introduction, this is him who is holy and true. Holy meaning the Lord is announcing here that he is set apart. He is separated from sin. Are we together? And so meaning he's also commanding the church. So you be holy for I am holy, right? So there is an instruction there. When I saw that church enter, the Lord was essentially sending me to announce to you that He is holy, meaning transcendent, separated from sin, set apart from moral decay, and you too now must be holy, just as He is holy. And He says, for without holiness, nobody will see the Lord, right? And the one who is true, meaning He's dependable, He is trustworthy. You can entrust Him with your lives, and then He will deliver you into the kingdom of glory, just as heaven entrusted him with deliverance of man, and he delivered, right? Let's run through very fast, because this is the church I saw enter. And then he says, 
Him who holds the key of David. Again, there he's saying that the prophecy that Nathan gave to David, when David wanted to build the temple, and Nathan told him, you can build. But when Nathan went to sleep at night, God spoke with him and said, he cannot build. His son, his greatest son would build, and the kingdom would last forever. So if you get time to read the book of Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 13, and many other scriptures, First uh, Chronicles and so forth, you'll see that he promises him that his kingdom will last forever, has no end. That is now your Daniel chapter 2, verses 34, 35, the rock that I saw coming to smash the statue. And then the interpretation is Daniel chapter 2, 44, 45, became a huge mountain, covered the earth, a permanent mountain, an eternal kingdom where we belong. Right? Are we together now? You are able to, are you catching up with the speed? Okay, let me slow down a little bit. He says, this, when it's time now for him to describe the church that I saw him taking the rapture, Iglesia Kejo Viste El Tomar, and then he says the following. He begins by introducing himself by saying that this is him who is holy, so he says he is holy. When it is time for him to present the church that I saw him taking glory, he introduces himself by saying this is him who is holy. In other words, he's saying separated, transcendent and separated from sin. So there is an instruction there. He's saying even the church that he takes into glory that comes to him, enters his kingdom, must be separated from sin, must be holy. Hallelujah. And then, in other words, he's saying he is set apart. And that church is set apart. The Bible says, just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy. And it also says that for without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. And then he says, and true, holy and true. True meaning, he is the true one, trustworthy, dependable, reliable. When it's time for him now to present the church that I saw him take up, then he, he introduces himself like that, that he is totally dependable. That if you rely on him, he can deliver you to glory. And then he goes on to say, him who holds the key of David. And then he says, David is a messianic office. That is now the Messiah. It's an office. It's an authority. He says that now it is him, the prophecy that Nathan gave to David. When Nathan told David that his greater son is the one who would build the house for the Lord. His greater son. Mayor, Mayor, Tuiko Mayor Grandes. He's the one who would build for him a house, for the Lord a house. Then he's now saying here that that prophecy is fulfilled because that key is now in the hands of the greater son of David. That is very powerful. And if you remember very well Eliakim and remember Shebna and remember that story, that conversation rather. Then remember when Eliakim had the key, Eliakim was more like a chief minister. He was more like a prime minister. He was more because he had the key. So you cannot go to see the king unless Eliakim opened for you because he had the key of David. And so he's saying that the Messiah is the one that has the key that admits us into the kingdom of God. Are we together? And that is very consistent with the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse 24, when the door was closed to man, the door that leads to the presence of God was closed because of sin. Genesis 3:24. And yet, the book of Matthew chapter 27, 50 and 51, Jesus opened that door and admitted the church. Matthew 27, versículo 50 y 51. He opened that door. That's what he's saying here. That when he says he has the key of David, he's simply saying that he has entered the messianic office. He is the Messiah. He is the one who will sit on the throne of David and reign. That's what he's trying to say here. I'm just running through because of time. Otherwise, this is, this is a very big sermon, but I don't have time. So he's saying that what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. He's saying the sovereignty of the Messiah the Messiah has the sovereignty of God 
When it's time for him to talk about the church I saw him taking up, then he talks about a door, a key that when he opens, nobody can shut. How blessed a Savior we are worshipping. That he has this sovereignty and authority that when he opens a door for the church, nobody can shut that door. What a mighty king. The devil cannot shut that door. I wanted to teach about death, but I saw that uh, there was a bit of discomfort. It almost destabilized me. <laughs> Unbelievable people. <laughs> Don't worry. Just allow me flow because I'm loaded here, right? Yes, I've seen the visions of the Lord, right? And so he's saying very clearly here that the sovereignty of the Messiah is incontestable. He is sovereign because the door, what he opens, nobody can shut. And what he shuts, nobody can open. It sounds more like you really want to be close to that God. Right? Because that God has power. He's worthy of worship. He's sovereign and has authority. Hallelujah. And then he says that, uh, yes, that, and then he says, he says very clearly here, and what he shuts, nobody can open. Then say, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you a door open that no one can shut. Okay. He says, when it's time for him to admit the church, the church I saw him admitting, is a church of deeds. That may sound a bad thing in the, in the dispensation of grace, right? But look now. When it comes to time of entry, he does not say, I know your faith. Not at all. And if I had time and I went to the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, there also you'll meet a book of deeds that is being used to judge people whether they should enter glory or the lake of fire. Deeds. So be very careful. He's simply saying that when you are born again proper and you have the Holy Spirit, then good works come out of you. Good is equal to holy, to the Lord. Only holy is good. Are we together? I'm just running through because I already gave the vision. So I must describe to you the, the characteristics of that church. So that church, they are doing good deeds. You must find out what are the good deeds that are coming out of you, out of the salvation you received. And that good must mean holy. Only holy is good unto the Lord. And so he says here, see I placed a door before you that no one can shut. So that church, he opened a door for them. And this door that he opened for them, is, 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 which door is it? Which door is this one here? This is a door for evangelismo. This is a door for serving the Lord. Reaching out to the souls. I don't have time, I'm running through this. This door is for serving. And when this door, during the time of grace for serving, is over, you have served enough, then you see Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked up and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. This door now becomes the door that is open for rapture. Are we together? Este porto, este puerta, el que abrir para evangelismo, para servicio, para servir el. Para, para cosechar almas. Para colieta almas. Whichever language, Portuguese or Spanish. Para colieta almas, cosecha almas. Pero después de trabajo, nosotros servir el, nuestro Señor Salvador. Después de todo tiempo de iglesia, que, que se llama church age. Tiempo de, de, de iglesia. Después de esto, este puerta para servir el, el cambiar Este puerta becomes puerta de rapatamento for the rapture. How do you say it in rapatamento? The rapture. Very good. For the rapture. So that's why you see the book of Revelation chapter 4. You say, after this, I saw verse 1. After this, I saw, and there before me was the door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard, like a trumpet, said, Come up here and I will show you what will take place after this. That is a very big area that if I have time I can bring to you. After this. What happens after this? Then we would go through the entire after the rapture. After the church age. What happens after the church age? Then we will now go into the events of the tribulation. The great tribulation. And all through up to the millennial reign. Up to the eternal state. If we have time we can handle that also. 
But you see very clearly when it's time for him to describe the church that he took up, that I saw him taking that vision that he's going to take soon in the rapture. Then you see, you see him saying that he has opened a door for her, opened before you a, an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength and that you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Look at that. Those are two things right there. Keeping of the word of the Lord and denying the name. Remember, keeping of the word, you have kept my word and have not denied. Meaning, because of their little strength, they had several opportunities to deny Jesus, renounce Jesus. Ellos tienen oportunidades, muchas oportunidades vienen para ellos para renunciar a Jesús. Pero ellos no renuncian. No acepto renunciar a Jesús. Iglesia que yo viste, Señor Tomás. The church that I saw the Lord take. They had many opportunities. Because of persecution. To renounce Jesus. First of all, because you see, it says here, you have little strength. So you can tell that they really went through a lot of persecution. And he says that they have kept his word in their heart. And you know very well that when Josiah was king, Josiah and the entire team, they lived. They went to the temple of God again and again. Every single Shabbat, they went there. They had services and came out. Until one day when he ordered for the temple to be repaired. And when they repaired the temple, they discovered a book. When they discovered a book there, and then Shaphan was given to rush with the book to the king. And when Shaphan reached, he says, that the the priest has found the book. He said, the book? Which book? Can you read it for me? When he read the book, the book was the Lord's law. The holy book, the holy word of God. And when he heard that the Lord demands that they have holy, holy word, holiness, holy living, holiness, the holy word of God in their hearts. When when, when the, the king heard that, the king tore his robe. And the Lord is saying that even you, you need to go back to your countries and examine this. And question many things in the church in Italy. Question many things in Finland and in Netherlands, Germany, everywhere. Ask them really. that Are we really having the word of the Lord in our hearts? Because if you have the word of God in your heart, the word of God is holy. It will instruct you into holiness. Look at what's happening in Kenya. They, make, they, they are very conscious, very aware 24-7 about holiness. So he's saying when you have the word of God in your heart... The word of God will instruct you on the holiness of God. Number one. Number two. The word of God will instruct you and tell you that you are under the authority of the Lord. You are not a free spirit. Like the present day church in Europe. Free spirit. They do what they want. Liberal theology, homosexuality in the church and all these things. No. The word of God, if you keep in your heart, will instruct you that you are under the authority of the creator, God. The word of God will instruct you that the Messiah is coming. You need to prepare the way, right? So he's using this to give the identity of the church that he takes, that he showed me in that vision he will take. In that prophecy, blessed people. As we are finishing, he says, you see that, that little strength, you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Many opportunities came in the, in the persecution they did not. Verse 9 he says, I'll make those who are of the synagogue of Satan and claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I'll make them come and fall at your feet and acknowledge that I've loved you. So he's saying here that when that church is being taken up, the Lord is saying that the church, the Gentile church and Israel are joined like conjoined twins at the heap on the olive tree of God. That's what he's saying there. He's talking about the revival of Israel. He's saying that that church was persecuted. That's alright. He was talking about the synagogue of Satan. Meaning that those people were fighting the church. Fighting the agenda of Christ. That's why he called them the synagogue of Satan. And he said they are not Jews. Okay, they were Jews. They were Jews. But if you read Romans chapter 2, 28-29, then you see that a Jew is one who is one inwards. That circumcision is of the heart. That's what he's saying there. Those who have accepted Christ. So he, he, he now redefines for them what it means to be the Jew, the true Jew. And he says, one who is inwardly Jew, who has accepted Christ. So he's saying that over time, that, that, that uh, after the rapture, there is the revival of Israel. He's promising that revival there. 
He's saying they will come and fall at your feet and acknowledge that I've loved you also. You remember the events that took place in the book of Acts chapter 10 when Peter went the house of Cornelius, the Holy Spirit touched the Gentiles. He was, they were shocked. Hey, even them they have been admitted. Even them they have been blessed. Acts chapter 10 in the house of Cornelius. When the Holy Spirit touched the Gentiles. So he's saying here now that they will be able to understand that, oh, so we belong to one family. The family of God. So he's talking about the revival of Israel that Romans chapter 11 verse 25 the fullness of the number of the Gentiles and then verse 26 now the revival of Israel and all Israel will be saved. Are we together? That's what he's talking about there when he says that I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan come to you. Okay, so he's saying some, I think he uses the word some meaning not all of them, meaning he's also talking about uh, the events of the tribulation because he has given me in a, in a tremendous vision he has given me a, a rose a red rose a stem one and a half meters tall with thorns and a red rose and under the rose are green leaves he gave to me and i went and i met god's own people but the stem had thorns and then there is a conversation that ensued there that we don't share here but i've shared with them hallelujah and so, and then I met the patriarchs, all of them. So now, he's saying very clearly here that there is a revival of Israel coming. So he's mentioning that there. So he's saying that, okay, even if they are being persecuted, they were aware that eventually they will come to the Lord. So then, you see, you don't have anti-Semitism right there. They are they they loving God's people. They know that they will come, Right? Just like all people who had not known Christ until they came, right? Hallelujah. So he's saying, so as he's finishing, and he says the following. He says, uh, I'll make those who are synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews but are not, but are liars, I'll make them come and fall at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Verse 10. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's coming to the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. That hour of trial, if we have time tomorrow, we'll look at what it is. Once you know the hour of trial and how horrific it is, then you'll make effort to enter the rapture. It's unbelievable. So we can look at that tomorrow. And it says very clearly here in verse 11, I am coming soon. The imminency of Christ's return. Verse 11. Imminencia de Avenida de Cristo. I am coming soon. Then he says, hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He's saying that be careful. People are losing crowns. It's possible to lose crown, lose your salvation. He's saying that in the Bible, the example that the Bible has fronted is that of Esau losing to Jacob. Hallelujah. But we know too well that Reuben lost to Judah, right? Are we not aware of that? Yes, we know. We know also that Saul lost to David, right? So he's saying, be careful. People can lose crowns. That nobody snatch your crown. So that is what he's presenting there. That now you have to be more careful with your salvation. You are more stringent with your salvation. You cannot live a careless Christian life you see being lived today. Tomorrow as we handle apostasy, we will be able, I hope we do, we will be able to handle the careless Christian life of today. Whereby they think they can live the way they want and do what they want and still enter heaven. And that's what you see in the US, in Canada, in Europe, in Africa, here and everywhere, right? It's a pandemic, right? And then he says here, the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, I will share the vision when the Lord walked me into the temple in heaven and he showed me the pillar. He was walking on my right hand side here. He showed me a very powerful, glorious pillar. Very, we tried to draw it also. He said, never again will, I, will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God and I will write on them my new name. Okay, now when I was reading verse 12, then I saw the visions of the new Jerusalem. If we get time tomorrow, I'll give you that vision. I saw the vision of the new Jerusalem when I was reading this. It was actually on a Sunday. If I remember well, it may be, uh, I need to check January 29th or something. Sunday, 1.20 p.m. If I remember even the time. And I was reading, I was reading this year, 2023. I was reading this, then I fell asleep this scripture. 
Then I, when I reached verse 12, when I'm reading about the new Jerusalem, I fell asleep and the Lord took me right into the new Jerusalem. And by voice he said, the eternal home of the righteous. So if we have time tomorrow, we'll plow through that also. You need to know that so that you can take it to your people and for one purpose. Look at this now. The purpose is that they may be able now to change the way they live their Christian life, to take their holiness more seriously, and now to be more heavenly focused, to have a life, a Christian life that's now focused more on the future. That is the purpose, right? So if we have time tomorrow, we'll handle that. I wanted 100 deaths today, but I can do it also tomorrow if the Lord allows. It's very profound if I do that. I thought it's important I should do that. It's very, very critical. Because, you know, it's very key. I'll bring some of the things in the visions there. So, it says very clearly here that, uh, that the new Jerusalem, the, the eternal home of the righteous, there is a vision for that. Thank you, Nerechi, for coming. And there's water given to you there. But we are going to talk together. The bishops of Kenya, we're going to remain in the gazebo and celebrate, right? Why are you not... Thank you for donate. In, in French, they say donate. Donate to him a water. <laughs> I tell you. We need to enjoy these discipleships. If there is someone whose feet are tired, it is mine. Even some fluids are still there from Brazil on my feet. So please, don't worry about that. So this is very beautiful. That's why I want to share with you. Because each of them has a vision and an instruction. And whenever you come here also, you are empowered, right? Yes, you are empowered. You go with a great anointing to serve the Lord, right? And that's why I'm so happy to see you from Nigeria. My daughter, Emil, together with uh, my daughter, the, the first lady over here, the senator, you have stood very strong for the Lord. We are just hoping we'll come to your countries. And I'm saying it live on air here. Namibia, the way long, it was a powerful revival. Oh, cripples stood up and walked. So many, right? Yes, we, I, I'm now ready. I'm ready again to come. <laughs> we cannot forget Africa, right? Yes, we must come back. I'm ready for Namibia. You remember how many cripples stood up and walked away? Little one, what? Everything happened. Blind eyes, deaf, everything. How much more now? Now it's a little bit more massive. I am coming. <laughs> so he says the following. As we finish now, he's saying, Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God, from my God, and I'll write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to the churches. Again, now look at this. He's talking to the churches. That means, when you look at the church age, chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, there is instruction there to the churches in Asia Minor. Asia Minor. But those churches are represented until today. So that instruction is still being given to the church today. And the instruction given in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 is to correct the church. He's saying there is a deadly, a dangerous form of Christianity that admits apostasy. That's what the Lord, that, that's how he's, he's giving the view of how heaven looks at the church. And Jesus himself writes a letter to the church. Those letters are still pertinent. They are still active. They are still for you today. Hallelujah. So he's correcting the church and he's also still commending some churches right now. He's commending them. And in so doing, he's preparing them for the kingdom of God. Right? So you can see the concern Jesus has over his church. Why? Because heaven is looking at the scars and the wounds, everything that he has. And they are looking for the church. Where is the fruit of the cross? He paid so much price. But where is the fruit? When they look down here, they see as though the enemy is winning. And that's why the Lord is concerned for the church. That's why we were sent to you. Hallelujah. That you may get to enter heaven. That the work Jesus did on the cross may have a fruit. The fruit of the cross may finally enter heaven. Hallelujah. And so he says, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to their churches. Not one church, right? So we will look at these things tomorrow. But that in a nutshell is part of the identity of the church I saw in that vision. And thank you so much for your patience. It's coming to quarter to nine. And tomorrow is another day, right? With all the joy we serve you. Hallelujah. 
Because I know when you go and preach this in your countries, righteousness will be established in the church. Holiness will be in the church. So can we rise up together and just say this prayer, everybody, if you want. Say, Mighty Lord Jesus, I repent today and turn away from sin. And I ask you, my Lord Jesus, to come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. And renew my ministry. Give me fire and prepare me for the kingdom of God. Lord, anoint me that I may prepare a holy bride for the kingdom of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I am born again. Amen. Thank you so much. You can now go. The instrumental is on. You can now go. You can go, go catch up your dinners. Make sure our team...